0: Like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of Enforced Technology, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit tencatafabricscom slash Flex 7. Flex 7, powered by Enforced Technology. Only from Tankata Protective Fabrics. Seconds count when responding to an emergency. Minutes save count when documenting your day. Emergency networking makes records management easier and faster with its fire and EMS solution. User-friendly, complete online and offline functionality, highly customizable, all at an affordable price. For more information, please visit emergencynetworking.com.
1: Greetings and welcome to the Women in Fire radio show. Today we'll be talking about the importance of giving back to the fire service with community service and other um, endeavors that we could help give back to. So thank you to Fire Engineering for allowing Women in Fire to be part of the radio show. I am Lisa Baker, the Southwest Trustee for Women in Fire. Today on my show I have Fire Chief Latasha Clemens, who is the Fire Chief in Forest Park, Georgia. I have Deputy Chief Heather Mosding, who is the Deputy Chief in... Fremont, California. I have Ioana Armstrong, who is the EMN coordinator in Forest Park, Georgia. And I have Willie Ace Salisbury, who is a retired lieutenant out of Gainesville, Florida. And he now works for the state fire marshals in Florida. Um, Thank you everybody for um, joining me today for this important topic. So today we're gonna talk about giving back to the fire service. So individual... that want a career in the fire service generally say they want to provide a service to the community. Oftentimes in an entry-level interview, you will hear when asked, why do you want to be a firefighter? Almost all will want to say, I want to serve my community to help people to be a part of a team or a family tradition. Firefighters are generally loved in the community. The public ways of them brings cookies to the station and many other things. When a firefighter promotes, some will tell you, I want to make the department better than when I joined. But almost all firefighters give back in some way. Some attain leadership roles in their organizations and become officers, chiefs, so they can help shape the organization. Others find a passion for teaching. Some become mentors. Some give their time off duty to events. Departments give back to the community in many ways, as well, such as open houses, 10 block parties and school events. So the first question will be, some may have heard the saying community-based fire department meaning the department is more of a good neighbor than a government entity what does this mean to the fire service and how does an agency go about doing this so anyone who wants to um go first could tackle that question it's a good question for
2: ema armstrong <laughs> <laughs>
3: get pushed
0: right out there
3: yes yes she did um you know that servant leadership that's that's why a lot of us get into this that's just kind of how we are as as individuals and you know giving back to the community that's that's who we're there to serve and we we do that by getting involved with them and getting to know them and all these events help us kind of build that relationship outside of the typical stressful you know 911 call so they get to know us you know on, on a more deeper level and and that's why hopefully we become more of a family not not the government entity that's you know yes you're a local fire department but that I to me that's what it means as a community-based department being out there being visible and being engaged with them every day
1: and um chief mosey and i know that when um with where we used to work there uh, on a lot of the promotional tests, there was a book by Alan Bernasini about customer service in the fire department, and they he used to talk about um, it gets the it gives the opportunity for the community to know the firefighters on a, a non emergency basis. Like the, sometimes the first interaction a member of the community will have is when they're having their worst day when they call nine one one. So
4: yeah, how- yeah, chief, chief, you're right. Um- you know, I think being a community-based fire service is probably the ultimate goal because we've sort of gone away from you know just fighting fires and more. And more, we're being asked to do a lot more than what we used to. And, and given our role, we sort of have this. The community gives us this trust that we don't ever have to earn. So I think by being involved in the community, it gives us a chance to make those relationships and earn that trust. Even even though maybe we're earning it after we've been given it, I think that getting out in the community, it does a number of things, but it enables kids to see you, to see that you're real people. And because of that, you can inspire them to be firefighters um, or maybe to change their path in life. As we get, as kids get older and into high school, we can definitely help them change, change their trajectory, or kind of guide, guide what they want to do with their life. And then for the community from you know, from your moms and dads, they get to see, you know, kind of where their taxpayer dollars are going. And the elderly, you're right, like, we can make this connection with them before they before they need it. And then oftentimes, when citizens come to vote, they'll remember that interaction that they had with us. And, and they'll vote in the best interest of the firefighters. So, I think, you know, there's so many different facets to the fire department, but definitely one of them is being a good neighbor, being a integral part of the community and giving back to the community that you serve.
2: And, and I I like to add on to that, you know, mostly, you know, the reflection of our department will be mostly from interactions uh, from most of our members are t- going to the grocery store, r- driving down the street in the fire engine, or even through our department's social media page. I like to add that if departments are only doing that, they're not doing enough.
1: Uh, Chief Clement, you're absolutely right. I mean, especially, um, Chief Mosin, you just made a good point that they'll remember you when it comes time to vote or, or when the election time comes. And a lot of um, departments in the past and even now are having budget crisis and budget crutches and such just because of where the economy, you know, swings back and forth a lot of times. Um, And so you, uh, you made a good point, Chief Mosin, that if they do know who you are, they do know pr- the services that you provide, they do see you out there not just as Chief Clemens said, just at the grocery store or just on a 911 call and then they're done with the call and they pack up the equipment and they get back on their rigs and drive away, that they're going to remember seeing you at these events and the main thing is they're going to remember the interaction. And I think we've talked about it before, Chief Mosdine, and probably uh, Chief Clemens as well, is that when you're wearing that fire department t-shirt with the name of your organization on the back of it, you're walking billboard. You're not just representing yourself. But you're representing the department and so that's one way that I think fire departments could kind of improve with how they do serve the community and chief Clemens, you just made a good point that if all you are doing is going to the grocery store, or doing little small things, you're really not providing that service so um, that was good.
4: Go ahead.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say, I don't know who was about to speak, but, you know, most certainly, you know, we're public servants 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Um, you know, we're there for for the community, not only in, in their time of need, but also to enhance the way they view us in the, the perception of the whole uh, fire department. And of course, those T-shirts are our marketing brand. So, um, yes, we must uh, perform at the highest level of professionalism whether we're on or off duty.
1: And Chief Clemens, you just made a good point. Um, I'm sure we all follow different departments on social media and we read trade magazines and and daily blogs on social media as well. And sometimes when an an incident happens in another department, it kind of has a negative um, reflection on all departments because sometimes... If it happens at one place, I've had people ask me, well, your your department was right near there, so you guys do the same thing that that department just did, which was a very unprofessional act. I'm like, no, we don't do that. So I think that as anyone, it doesn't just have to be upper upper leadership. We need to make sure that we instill, especially in the newer generation, that the importance of you always are on duty. I mean, you might not be on duty and getting paid that day, but you are on duty and you are representing the department, even if you're not on technically shift that day.
0: Yes, so I'll just chime in a little bit. Um, So when our department, when I first got there, um, I really didn't understand the community um, uh, interaction portion of it, but quickly I was um, educated on that through the union of how we um, interact the beginning of school, we did uh, fundraisers for our backpacks. And um, on the first day of school, we would be at intersections with the crossing guards to help the children across. And they not only got a chance to see the crossing guard, they got to see the fire department also. Now, we did that with personnel that was on duty, personnel that was off duty, that volunteered their the time. And we um, we saw that the school board took that and kind of ran with it. So every time that there was a major step in a child's you know, school career from elementary to middle, from middle to high and from high school on to college, we were invited in to talk about the fire service. And we had a program where on Saturday, if the kid wanted to come by and help wash the fire truck and see what the fire station was like, they could come, you know, long as they accompanied by a parent if they were at a certain age. But once they got to be, you know, uh, 16 and above, they could sign the waiver that they could come by, help wash the truck, have breakfast with us, talk with the guys about the uh, career, talk about, you know, the firefighters, about the uh, fire service. That, to me, I saw kids' eyes open up to uh, the fire service in a way that <clears throat> I didn't see with us going out doing regular recruiting. So we were recruiting you know, um, kids who were in college or, or adults, but we had not reached back to those who were in high school or in middle school. And I saw that as a plus. So the community involvement with being in the Rotary Club or being a scout leader or at church, those things where when we had questions about the fire service, people felt I think more at ease talking to us when we were at, in those um, in those arenas rather than they be at a commission meeting and then they're asking questions. I felt like they uh, trusted our opinion more when we were in a, um, a non-regimented meeting where we could talk one-on-one just like, you know, if you were out having a cup of coffee. So I, I felt like that community involvement was a lot easier for the citizens to talk to us and ask questions. And like I said, going to the grocery store, it was always uh, a meet and greet session. And I only think I had one uh, meeting with someone that asked, well, why do you come to the grocery store every day? And then they started off with, I think it's a wear and tear on the engine. I think it's gasoline and, and the tires and everything that you guys should just go once a week. And then we had to break it down to them and teach them what we were doing. So there are three shifts. We're here for 24 hours, and this is why we do it the way that we do it. After that was explained to the person, then it was like, oh, okay, now I understand. So the community involvement of talking, educating, and getting them to understand that um, what you saw on television for the fire service uh, is partially correct, but it's not 100% correct as to what we really do.
1: Um, You just made some excellent points. um. Ace, especially about um, the the opportunity to educate people. I know there was one agency that was changed their name of their department from a to from fire department to fire rescue department. I think a lot of times people hear fire department and they expect the fire department is only going to go if there's a fire in your house or a car fire, and they don't really understand all the other aspects that the fire service does, such as you know hazardous materials, heavy rescue rescuing. Um, and so they changed their name to help the, the community understand that you're not just a fire department. So you're right. Every time we're out in the public, it gives us the opportunity to educate um, the de- uh, the community on all the services that we provide and that how to get involved because the citizens, there's a lot of citizens that want to be involved, but they just don't know how to get involved. And you made another oh, you, made, you made another um, uh, good point, and I'm going to go on to um, with the girls' camps now. How um, um, almost every fire department you see now is having some level or some type of a girls' fire camp for girls, and it's kind of twofold. Is it's it's letting the eight the your community and your surrounding communities know that. The children of our community are important and we want to teach them things, but it's also used as an excellent recruitment tool to get young girls to see other female firefighters doing the position and teaching them the them how to be a firefighter. So um, Chief Mosey, I know you were, you were involved with the girls camps. Can you um, talk about the importance of having why departments have girls camps as part of community service?
4: Yeah, I sure can. Um, The girls camp to me is an opportunity for for girls to get an experience of what it's like to be a firefighter at a crucial age where they would likely be intimidated by boys who are a little bit bigger and stronger. And this gives them an opportunity to sort of check out the job and to meet other to meet female firefighters and male firefighters, but to meet firefighters doing the job in a, in a way that uh, is not really uh, stressful for them. So they get a chance to experience it. And I've heard, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, well, what, what about the boys fire camp? And, and I feel like for a long time, we have had that in Explorer programs and in, um, you know, programs like that. And not to say that women aren't or girls haven't been invited. They have. And I appreciate that. But this is a unique opportunity for girls to get their hands on the hose without being around people, uh, boys that may be bigger and stronger, a little more aggressive at that age, especially in their teens when they're uh, they're likely to be intimidated by that. So it gives them a great opportunity to sort of to to get some hands on experience.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, chief. It's, um, the intimidation factors taken away. Um, the, the girls, some might come and not be a little intimidated even to be there that they don't some there. I was at one and it was like, well, my parents told me to come here, but by the end of it, when they're seeing other, especially the female firefighters that are there and they realize that the female firefighters are all from all around the Bay area, not just that agency that's hosting that camp and that they're there. And that just the, the I'm going to use the word sisterhood and they see that and they see that they could be a part of that. So I think it's it's really important to have the girls camp. Um Chief Clemens, I know you're starting one in um your agency. Um I think it's next month.
2: Yes, and- yes, we are on October 11th. We're having our first ever one day girls fire camp in the city of forest park and we are so excited about it uh not only is this an opportunity to show young ladies what it takes to be a firefighter but it also show them what it takes to become a strong independent uh young woman uh, i'm a big advocate for uh for women and girls uh so this is just an opportunity to increase that advocacy um and also it show uh, that young women that they can be whatever they uh, choose to be, even firefighters. We know that women make up roughly 4% nationally. And we also know that, that saying, what is it, Chief? If you can see it, you can be it. So what a what Girls Fire Camps, what a way to demonstrate and show uh, all young ladies that this is a career choice for them. I'd like to add one other thing. There is a term called occupational segregation, where 25% Uh, of females that represent uh, male dominated professions and the same likewise for males. So this is one of those occupational segregation opportunities that that we get to increase uh, the women applicants in the fire service throughout the country.
1: Thank you, I appreciate that. So I I think probably almost all of us have sat on entry level interviews and we hear a lot of times somebody will say, and somehow throw into one of their answers even if it doesn't really pertain to the question you're answering that they do anything to get the job I'll do anything you want me to do once I get hired I'll be your per- I'll be the person that you could turn to for anything you, you see but what's the expectation that you expect for someone that says that I mean Chief Mosey, and I know we've sat on interviews before and then when it comes time for some volunteers. It, it's just crickets. No one's volunteering to do anything, especially if it entails being off-duty. So do you think that there's been a decrease? Um, I know a lot of uh, departments now are going 20, uh, 48 hours on, 96 hours due to the commutes and such. So do you think that there's been a decrease in the amount of people that want to do things off-duty now, that want to volunteer off-duty? Because I know where we used to work, um, Chief Mosin, if you volunteered off-duty, you it was your time. And I, I know that we did it numerous times. Um, but do you see that there's a decrease in it just because of the newer, I don't want to say the newer generation of firefighter, but the newer generation of firefighter.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think I I always like I'm a very like trusting, optimistic person. So I really think that when people are in their, their entry level interview and they will do anything, i'm sorry can you
1: not hear me yeah we can hear you you were breaking up for a moment but it's good
4: um as as people get on the job they you know their life changes and there's competing priorities and some of those you know unfortunately are are hanging out with the crews and you know and going surfing or whatever so i think
1: I think what she was going to say is their, their priorities don't, they don't, the priorities don't change, but their lifestyle changes. So when possibly they were a new firefighter going through the process, they had more time to have outside endeavors that they'd be able to volunteer. And then once they come into the fire department, the, they're how they want to hang out more with the crew and such. And I could be paraphrasing what she was trying to say wrong, but that's what, um, I think kind of happens is that you're there for 48 hours and a lot of people, they don't have any issue with going to do whatever for the 48 hours. But when it comes time for their, their 96 hours off or 48 hours off, that's kind of where they, is they've, they have in their mind. That's my time. If if I'm not, and I've had people actually say to me, well, I'm not going to get paid for it. So I'm not going to um do it. So, I think that that's like, um, I noticed it before I had retired that the um, amount of people that were doing things off-duty actually had kind of decreased a bit, Um, so.
2: Yeah, Chief, you know, nowadays it's about work-life balance.
3: Exactly. Uh,
2: And, 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 you know, we're dealing with a different generation, unfortunately, but fortunately, uh, they, they look at the fire service and life differently. You know, when we when we started, uh, this was just something that we knew in that was ingrained in us when we came into the fire service. I think even uh today culturally, if we don't uh transcend those traditions and ensure those efforts are um permeating throughout the organization, that that trend is going to continue to decrease. Um again, we do need work-life balance for sure, but we also need to understand that we're there for 24 hours but we join a fire service and that service is 24 hours a day 365 days uh, a week encompass in, in in collaboration with that work life balance
1: and i know everybody on this um the my guests today they i i, I know that all of you do volunteer off duty and do do a lot to your communities off duty and continue to do things off duty and i really um commend you for that So mentoring, we always hear the term mentoring, and some people would not think that that is a big part of giving back to the fire service. So what are the benefits of of mentoring, both not only for a fire department, but for the person being mentored, because you are providing a service to the person, but to some degree you're providing a service to the department, because you're mentoring that person to better themselves, to the next position or even just to be better in the position they're at so so some people wouldn't think that mentoring actually is giving back to the fire service but it is so what do you think
3: the benefits of that are i think mentoring oh sorry. Go ahead. no, no am sorry i was just gonna say mentoring to me it, it's huge and it's just there's so many things that someone who who's got time and experience in the service can can teach you that you probably would never come across in a book or in a formal class setting. Um, So having someone that that you can trust and can come to with questions or when you're seeking advice, to me, it goes a long way. And not only professionally, but on a personal level. If if someone sees you as a mentor, there's a lot of responsibility with that. Um, You know, you have to this individual is looking up to you and they see you as an example and they're out, they're watching everything you do, believe it or not, not just the good things, you know, so that it's something to, to be mindful as well when you are in that mentoring position, but especially when they're new and, and you've got a positive mentor to really just be there for them and, and help them and guide them, which, you know, sometimes the one-on-one interaction, they might be, intimidated or anxious to speak up in front of others whereas when they have that one-on-one with someone who has time and, and experience they can really get to ask those questions and dig a little bit deeper and and it'll help them grow professionally and it helps the mentor along the way too because they might ask them a question that the mentor doesn't know yet you know and then they're like I, I don't know that but let me find out and then they learn together so to me mentoring is huge it's been huge for me and the mentors that I've that
1: I've had along the way.
0: Mentors play a, yeah, they play an amazing um, development in a young person's career. Because if you come in and you have no direction and you're unfamiliar with the service, someone needs to lead and guide you. Your officer, yes. Your lieutenant, your district chief or your battalion chief or whoever, yes. But then when you can connect with someone on a personal level and a professional level, that younger person is more at ease. Um, I know that when I came in uh, my first duty station, uh, the person who was my mentor ended up being the driver, not the lieutenant. And that driver... um, You know, coached me through a difficult lieutenant for my first six months. Um, And I was feeling like I wanted to move back to Tallahassee after my first six months with the lieutenant I had because he only spoke to me five times in six months. And I was like, what am I doing wrong that this guy's not coaching me or teaching me how to be a better, you know, firefighter? And the driver was the one, he was like, well, he's from that era. Now, he said, I'm going to teach you what to do and how to do it. And um, that guy, he didn't really understand what he didn't understand what he was doing at the time. But he was coaching and he was mentoring me. And he just he passed away last year. And I told him at another meeting, I said, you don't know how much you changed me um, the first time I met you. And and when we were on duty together, I said, you were more of the lieutenant to me than the lieutenant. So when I started developing into driver and lieutenant and um, the hazmat captain and all the other stuff, I made sure that everyone was comfortable, that I was accessible, and I was encouraging. And I developed a um, our professional growth on the side that I was on, which was hazmat. Uh, developed that professional growth. So when the guy or, or whoever it was that came to me and said, well, how can I promote Ford in our area of HAZMAT? And we we'll sit down with them and just walk them through that. And that portion of it, of them being able to sit down, talk, discuss, understand, and know what the department wanted from them, what I wanted from them, and what they wanted for themselves. And that was the other question that I used to always ask them. I was like, tell me what you want from the service. And then I said, I'll tell you what the service wants from you. And I said, those things should intertwine with each other. So in your development, personal, your personal development and your professional development should be uh, intertwined. So when you're asking to go to school or when you're asking to promote up, I'm that person here to help coach you and teach you how how to move forward. But in your personal life, I always called myself a dad when I was at work. I was like, I'm your work dad. And that's, that's what I kept telling him. I said, yes, I'm your lieutenant, but I'm also your work dad. And um, it, it got odd to me when I became the uh, the older guy. I was like, dad, go!" On. I said, I'm the old guy now. So, but it was one of those things that as I mentored the, the young guys and I retired, some of them, I don't even remember talking to them that much. But at my retirement, they would name specific dates and times and events that they would say you helped me through this you mentored me in this area right here and that was one of those things that i look back and you know i was mentoring when i didn't know i was mentoring it sometimes
1: yeah so i mean i think with with our answers we just or the discussions that you guys just provided we do realize that mentoring is giving back to the fire service. You're helping with retention. Like, Ace, you made a good point of ask the person what um, what do they want from the fire service, especially um, with the newer generation. I mean, I think we can all agree it's, it's not what it was when we came in, it, which could be good or, and it can be bad. It depends how you want to look at that because the newer um, firefighter brings a lot of different skill sets that, are needed in the fire service, such as technology and, and such. Um, and so what do they want in the fire service? And then question, how can you help do that? So you are pro- you, you are providing uh, uh, something to the community and to the department with mentoring someone. For the community, you're providing a better, making sure that firefighter is better trained, better developed and able to um, have succession planning, retention, it's gonna build teamwork. And it's like I said, it's gonna make the department just so much better. So mentoring is actually some people would probably disagree that it is actually part of giving back to the fire service. So the next question, and Heather, you kind of uh, Chief Mosin, you hit it on it a little bit about, um, but although some may disagree, being part of the union is giving back to the department. Um, does, do some? Do you agree with that statement? Disagree with that statement? And I don't mean just being like you pay your union dues every month that come out of your check automatically, but actually being involved with the union, going to um, the union meetings and having a voice in, in discussions that are going on with your agency, as well as when the union's um, out there campaigning for certain members, to either be a city council person or the mayor or such. So do you guys agree with that, that doing stuff like that is is, is beneficial for community service? Or do you feel that the union should stay separate from the fire service, so to speak?
0: I, I definitely think that the um, the union and the and the department uh, should work hand in hand. I know that there's um, work differenti- differentiation sometimes where uh, the city would want to do X and then the union wants to do Y. Um, But I've seen over my years at uh, Gainesville where the union and the city were hand in hand in a lot of things like community um, events or when we would go to a call and someone's uh, wheelchair ramp was, you know, or, or needed a wheelchair ramp. The union would come in, they would foot some of the money and we would go to the city and go, hey, can you guys spare some money? For us to help the citizen get a, a wheelchair ramp, and also we campaigned with you know Home Depot and Lowe's and and uh, the big box stores uh, for them to donate also, and the city would nine out of ten times say yes, we can you know provide this portion of money uh, to to get this particular thing taken care of. That's how our community paramedic program kind of took root was from events like that, and then once we um, from the union side said, is there a way that the department can do preventative um, measures in the in the community? And it was a part of, you know, just like a, the wheelchair ramp or someone needed a elevated commode or someone needed, um, um, what do they call it, handicap pool pull, pull handles in the restroom and stuff like that. We were coming in and um, doing that. And then the department started the community paramedic program. So when we would go out on calls and saw that there are needs in the, the community, so you would send a link back to um, our public education person and then they would start you know, rounding up help. So in that part that the union said, yes, we're okay with that. Um, and, and at one point in time, the union was saying that we should be getting paid since it was off duty you know, help. And then it was like, no, we're helping and we're not asking for money back. And that portion of it was very instrumental in getting our community um, paramedic program um, and community um, assist program uh, off, the, off the ground. And now we're like a, um, a prototype for some of the current surrounding departments. So they came to us and asked, what did you do? How did you see this? How did you develop it? And most importantly, how did you get the city to buy into it? Um, And that was one of the things where um, if you present it to the city in the right manner, they'll buy into it. If you come into it and try to be forceful, I thought, then I I felt like they would have been more uh, apprehensive as to move forward with that program. So when the union uh, would make the the effort to, to move forward, as one, the union and the the, uh, department, instead of saying the union is doing this or just the department is doing this, when they said both the union and the city were in agreement as to what we're going to uh, accomplish as one, I I thought that was a great thing.
4: Yeah, Ace, I agree with everything you're saying there. I think, um, and Chief Baker, I think that anytime somebody is giving back, even if it's being part of the of the union, I, I think it is giving back and making the department stronger. I think you know those of us who have been in for long enough we know that that a department works best when the union and management are on the same page. But we also know that unfortunately sometimes there's competing interests, and so to have a labor union that that negotiates for the wages and benefits and work conditions of our firefighters is really really important. Of course. As managers, we want that too, but when we have competing interests or the city is telling us, you know, you have to cut funds, um, it's important for them to have a voice for the people and for the, you know, for the rank and file. I think that anytime somebody volunteers to help in any way in the fire department it contributes to, um, to a better whole. And as a community sort of resource, it, it helps make the community better. So I think, I think as long as people are are doing what they can to make the community and the fire department better, they're, they're doing their share.
1: Yeah. And another way with the union is, um, and we think about, I think we briefly touched on it a little earlier about when there's a ballot measure on the ballot that um, increased taxes or, it's usually to increase taxes, um, and it usually sometimes it involves smaller agencies, the fire departments. And if the community does not know what you do, and because you're not out in the community serve, doing things, they don't see you. But if you're on emergency call, or they see you driving down the street, and every time they some of them might not even know where their local fire station is because they never see a fire engine just parked outside. And I do understand in some areas that you probably can't park the fire engine outside, but they don't see the fire station uh, fire and en- fire apparatus parked outside of the fire station they don't see the fire department at events they don't know what the fire department does so we already know taxes are already high so to try to ask some um your community members to increase their taxes for the fire department, whether it be to build a new station or get the fire department equipment, it's probably not going to pass because the community just doesn't know what you do. And they just probably think that you make a lot of money and they, they have no clue what you do. And so even when you like go door to door to try to get signatures for this, or I'm sure we've all been to somewhere either in our own community or we've been out of town somewhere and we see people standing outside the grocery store or the Home Depot's or the Lowell's and asking for people to sign a, a, a petition for something. And I mean, that's great, but if the fire department's actually out there being seen and heard, then when it's time to have our members of the community vote on things, it's going to be in their mind that what the fire department does. And then Heather, you made a good point too. Um, I know a lot of departments have um, where they do, they bring the council members and the um, other uh, dignitaries of the city down and they do, I believe it's called Fire Ops 101 where they put the council members and the mayors and such through what a firefighter does. And so they're educating them and that's generally put on by the unions so that they're educating the the mayor, the city council members and such of what a fire department does. What is it like to be in a fire? What is it like to, you know, use the the jaws of life or the hearse tools and such to educate your, um, your mayors and your city council members of what is the job about so they have a better understanding of what the job is about so that work that's where it goes, Heather, you mentioned um, Chief Mosin about the importance of the fire the union working hand in hand and having a good uh, relationship, the labor management relationship, because now you've just educated the members of your leadership, which is the mayor the city council and such of what you do and they've had a hands on experience of what what you actually do and what you go through. So I think you're, um, you guys made some very excellent points. Um, does anyone else have anything to talk on, uh, say on that t- t- topic? Okay. So many agencies will allow paid time off to go to conferences, seminars, and such. So what is the benefit of an agency allowing or paying and giving the time off? For the members to go? I know um, historically I had to use my own time and vacation and pay for my own conferences and such. But what's the benefit of having a proactive um, fire chief, deputy chief that's going to allow the members to go on duty or pay them overtime or even just pay for their conference or seminar? Net-
0: oh. Networking. It's huge. At, the, for
3: the for
2: way Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. Ahead. I, I'll, I'll, just know, I'll just chime in real quick, and then I'll uh, <laughs> digress. Digress, but um, as a fire chief, I think it's so important to show members that you care, that they're just not numbers. That you know, you have to give back. That's a way of giving back. Um, show members that you care, that you're empowering them. You you're involved in their professional uh, development. I think it's such a great way uh, to get off the balcony, uh, get in the fray and say, hey, look, I care about you. I want you to be successful. I want your career. Uh, I want you to advance your career in every way possible. And it's up to me as a fire chief to provide those means and avenues uh, to allow our members uh, and to support our members uh, to reach those higher levels of education, uh, whether they're going to conferences, um, or taking the uh, extra training classes, uh, any way that we can support,
3: it shows that you care. Chief took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> I was gonna say it really shows the members uh, like myself when I, cause I just started going probably about two years ago to such um, things like conferences and seminars and that was really eye-opening to me because I've gone to local training and I've gone to the state's Academy which is wonderful training we've got the best you know I, I love going down there and I learn every time but conferences are a whole other level of education and instruction and you're meeting people from you know all over the world and the networking as you mentioned is you you make such connections and you learn and your eyes get open about what's going on everywhere and not just your little you know maybe, local area or bubble so I I, it's been a wonderful experience it's it's taught me so much and I'm so very grateful to have Chief Clemens who who is supportive like that and I'm you know every time I go I come back with 10 more things that new ideas and new ways to make the department better so it's it's great to have all levels and all members you know wherever they're at whether they're new firefighters or lieutenants on up all the way to chief I think it's I think it's
0: beneficial for everyone to go at some point. And I I felt like the uh the conferences opened my eyes to um di- different levels of of education and communication. Um I felt like that the the uh the networking I made there at some of the conferences were lasted, you know, beyond my retirement. Um when um, uh, Director Rice asked me if I wanted to go to the uh, the women's conference, and my question back to her was, exactly, why are you why are you asking a guy to go to the women's conference? He, she said, "Well, I think you're open to listening." And I said, "I'm I'm always open to listening." She was like, "But you don't see day to day what a female firefighter goes through." And I said. Okay, you, you got me on that one. And so when she did send me, um it was eye opening to me that uh there are things that were going on that, you know, just as a guy, I did not realize what someone would be feeling um in the fire service because one, um I being dominated by a, a male profession there. I felt like that, you know, I didn't understand if someone said, well, I don't feel comfortable or I don't understand why. Um, and then I asked a question. I said, well, tell me why. Why is that? And, and uh, the young lady said, well, as a female, when I go into certain situations, someone has already looked at me and their expectation of me is lower than what they would see from someone else and i said well why do you think that is and she said well it's already ingrained in them and i said well not everybody but then i said well i understand what you what you're saying i said but show me or tell me how that can be changed and it was simply have no more no less of an expectation of me than you would of someone else give me the equal let me prove That I am who I am. And I said, you're absolutely right with that. So, And that brought to me back to when I was a driver and lieutenant. When I was a driver, I would go to whoever and I was like, come, let me show you how to drive this truck or pump this truck. And uh, one of my, (laughs) I call my best dogs, was uh, Paula Buckholz. Paula, um, it was, you know, she had never really driven big trucks before. And she came in and absorbed like a sponge. And then once she got comfortable, she was off like a rocket. And uh, the I think it was the women's conference in Sacramento, a um, young lady that was giving a class. And um, she was feeling intimidated one day, or not one day. She had moved up in rank and she was, you know, she was a firefighter, then a driver. And then she became the lieutenant over the guys that she was working with. And they shut down on her. And to the point where she felt so isolated that, you know, she was wanting to harm herself. And um, I couldn't understand that because I'd never been isolated that much in fire service or life. And I said, okay, I need to be more cognitive of that. So one of the things that, um, that I did after that conference was I started asking, um, so I would get like a new uh, rookie firefighter or a paramedic, male or female, and I would ask them, what are your fears? What are your threats? Um, and let's work through that. So when we start going to the uh, conferences, um, uh, so I went to two, I think one was in Sacramento, and I can't remember where the, uh, the other one was, but um, made networks there from ladies in Australia, someone in Germany, um, I still had Lisa in, in Oakland. Then I had Chief Clemens when she was still down in Bonita, there, um, DC, and, and everywhere. So I feel like sending your people to conferences will open their eyes to some of the th- some of the things that um, someone may feel have have threats inside of their departments, or um, they may get answers inside of uh, going to that conference also. And I really felt like there were answers for me uh, to questions that I, I didn't know I had until um, they were, you know, raised in, inside of that conference. And then I went back and asked my, my people. And, you know, uh, on a one-on-one scene. I, I was like, tell me how you feel. Tell me um, how do you feel in the department? Do you feel threatened? Do you feel intimidated? Do you feel uh, left out? And th- that brought that questioning to me to co- take back to my department from that conference or from those conferences that I went to. So.
1: And actually, uh, Ace, you just made a good point. Um, we met at the EFO program back in what, 2008, which was.
0: Long time ago. <laughs> yeah,
1: I don't know, my, I don't have good math skills. So that was a long time ago. And like, I met you. <laughs> That met Chief Clemens what, in 2006 doing an assessment center. So you're right. It doesn't, I mean, although that's not a seminar, it is um, how you do interact with people. At, and it also um, gives you ideas of what other agencies and organizations might be doing in their community that you could mm-hmm. bring back to help your community. Like we probably all have huge homeless populations and you start talking to people at whether it be at an, um, a seminar or a class locally or anywhere. I know it, Um, recently I was talking to somebody that went to the FRI conference and they were saying how they, that some subjects came up about how other agencies deal with the homeless. So it's it's the opportunity to um, bring back new ideas to your agency of how, I mean, we all have pretty much the same problems in, in our agency. You just change the names in the department and it's the same issues and, and problems that almost every city is facing. And it allows you just to, to look at things in different perspectives, to see that there's more than one way to, to deal with things. So I think that um, when fire chiefs are um, very proactive in allowing members to um, go off duty or pay, not even if they, if they haven't I think some would just be happy even if they just paid for the conference and they had to use their own time because it, even that's showing that you care, that you want to see that member develop to be a better part of, for the role they're in now and for future endeavors within the fire service and the amount of information that they are going to bring back to um, your own agency. So there are many ways that a member can become involved in an agency, such as being on a committee um, or other ways. Um, I know Heather or Chief Mosing, you did the um, Citizens of Oakland Respond to Emergencies Program. Um, So this in itself is giving back, but how do you think that, like, we we both did the um, community response to um, emergencies program in Oakland. I know Chief Clemens, you did it in Boynton um, Beach. That allows the, um, and in Oakland, it was very well received. It allows the community to want to respond, help respond, know when to re- help to respond to an emergency and such. Do, do you feel that that's a benefit to have those programs that they should be offered year round? Or I know a lot of agencies start them after there was a big event or... Can you elaborate on that a little
4: bit? Yeah, Chief, uh, I think many agencies now have CERT programs, which is essentially what you're talking about. We called it the Communities of Oakland Respond to Emergencies. But essentially, it was a CERT program where members in the community volunteer to help out. Um, in cases of, you know, extreme disaster. And I think all of us in the fire service know that at some point, if not already, at some point, there's going to be an incident or an event that overwhelms the emergency responders. So having that ability to to lean on your community in times of need is so important. Also, like a huge part of this, and like we're talking, about what the conferences and the camps and mentorship and all of and even just even doing these uh these talks together it's a community that we're establishing right it's a community amongst ourselves it's a community in the firehouse it's a community in you know in your in your neighborhood and then uh allowing these emergency responders to be part of your emergency community and then to be a community of themselves it's you know People need this. They need to have a feeling of something bigger than themselves, and it it ena- enables all of us, I think, to really live a life that's a little bit better because of these this community that we have. So I think that's just two of the small ways in which CERT programs help. Um, I could go on and on. I think they're so valuable. It's a good training tool. It's good recruitment. It's it helps the citizens stay engaged with what's going on in in the fire service it's so so important and you
1: made a good um point chief and i think um i think we all um during the pandemic i mean a lot of states more so than others um kind of almost pretty much everything shut down nobody could come to the fire station we the fire department wasn't going out to events and such because of covid and the unknown um fear of the covid which so now that covid has died down. Um, we need to get back out there. We need to let our communities know that we're out there. Cause like I mentioned before, so for most people in the community, the public at- interaction with our members uh will not come when, when we respond to an emergency. They it's gonna the, the reflection of the department is gonna be with the interactions we, the members of our department, have at the grocery store when we're driving down the street. Are we driving, you know, following the rules and regulations? Or are we just in a rush to get not even on emergency call, but just in a rush to get somewhere. Is our fire engine clean? Are our members clean? Do we look presentable? And a lot of the stuff, I mean, social media has, has helped the um, perception of a lot of fire departments. When you put the good things that are on there, I think it was recently, Heather, um, I mean, most seen in your old department where some I saw on the social media page where they went back and and cut the grass or, or um, done, because the individual had that was cutting the grass had to be transported to hospital. But we need to do this year round. It just can't be, you know, here or okay. there posting something that's happening on social media because look what we did. Um so and a lot of the stuff that we do isn't in the press. A lot of the stuff that we do, I mean if it's a huge fire or something, sure it's going to be on the press, but they don't see that when we go like at two o'clock in the morning to, you know, help the elderly woman that fell out of bed they they don't so we don't want to be the first interaction that they see is on the emergency call so we do have to as a um department have some kind of community outreach and we need to make it a priority 365 days a year and like i said the social media is is helping t- but not everybody has social media unfortunately t- people still don't have access to the internet and stuff so we need to get that when citizens think of the fire department they don't literally just think the only thing we do is fight fires or they don't see a story in the paper or a segment on the news about a house fire. They think of us when they hear whatever our fire department is called, they hear that's just a small part of what we do. They, ha- they have the impression that we wear many hats and we need to have have that, that they that we wear many, many hats and that we don't just respond to emergency situations that we help mitigate beyond structural firefighting. And so we need to um, instill in our, our members the importance of community involvement, both on duty and off duty. Um, we need to instill in our members the importance of being professional at all times. But mostly we just need to be um, make sure that when we are representing the fire department at the grocery store, at events, at calls, that we're professional at all times. Because like I said, We don't really want the first impression of the fire department to be when they see us on emergency. And that goes back to the community-based fire department of being more of a good neighbor than a government entity. We mentioned that you're there for 24, 48 hours, sometimes 72 hours. You are a part of that community at that point. You live in that fire station, which generally is in a residential area and you become part of that, that community. So you should get to know your community. I know um, Chief Mosde when we worked, we had the little kids next door that would come over all the time at the little apartment building and um, that that's important. I mean that's where you have to start to make the, the connections when, when the, and I, I can't instill how much community involvement is important and giving back to the department in, uh, the communities that we serve. I mean live in or I mean you know, or work in. So we're about out of time. Um, does anything? Ha- ha- does anyone have anything that they would like to add? Okay.
0: So, how how's the, um, uh, the departments coming along with the? I guess the new wave is uh, the community risk reduction. How is that um, uh, being received within the departments right now?
3: Um. Good I can question. speak to that real quick. As far as um, for Forest Park, uh, we we just recently um, got to present to our council and and community a new platform that we have. So you know NFPA 1300, the standard on community risk reduction and all that. Craig 1300. It's a it's a web based platform and it takes in all sorts of data and input from uh, demographic information and actually has a section there where it's got our fire department data as well the incident data for like the last three years and we were able to show them this and break it down and it's a tool for to conduct the community risk assessment for for us to do so it can you know narrow down uh target areas hotspots, spots what we mm-hmm. need to focus on and, and how to actually build the community risk reduction plan and implement it moving forward but before you can do that you need to have you know the data and the facts and so when we presented this they they were they loved it, and they were so happy to see us, you know, have this tool and move forward. And I hope that everyone's checking it out, you know, in their time we posted it as far as the link to it. So just that brief introduction of you know, a lot of people don't really know exactly what that is yet. So we just kind of gave a broad overview, and it was received really well. And that was about what was it, Chief, two weeks ago. And so moving forward, definitely with our. Um, you know, fire marshal's office and EMA were kind of drill down and, and truly uh, create that plan moving forward and look at our hotspots and what, what we need in our community to focus on for prevention and education. But it went really well. So that's that's a great tool. And of course, you know, just going to the standard, it really spells out what you need for that plan as well. Ace, right. that was, so, uh,
1: Ace we're about out of time. So I don't mean to cut you off. Okay? Sure. Uh, that was actually an excellent question and you kind of segue into what a future show is going to be on, which would be community risk reduction. So oh. I'll, I'll make sure that I get you on that show, Ace. That was, that's a good segue. That wasn't even planned, y'all. Um, so is anyone? we got about a minute left. If anyone has anything else they want to add. Okay, so I'd want to thank each guest for being a part of the radio show. Thanks to Fire Engineering again. Thanks to all the listeners and members of Women in Fire. Uh, remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and to check out our webpage, which is womeninfire.org, and to plan for the 2024 International Conference, which will be held in San Diego in September. Um, and thank you for uh, everybody. I'm so happy that I had such a great um, group of um, fire professionals that shared their Fast knowledge on our topic tonight and thank you and good night
4: lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky
1: lucky